Hi and welcome everyone to the Seek Sustainable Japan talk show and podcast. This is the podcast version for all of you audio listeners out there. I hope you enjoy listening while you're going on with your day, commuting, cleaning the house, gardening, whatever you're doing. I hope it gives you some insights and inspiration and sparks some new ideas for you. I'm JJ Walsh, and in this episode, I have a chance、uh, to talk with Tova Kinoka. She is a sustainability focused consultant in the Tokyo, Yokohama area, and I am sustainability focused in all of my entrepreneur work here in Hiroshima, Japan, and mostly in this area, this part of Japan. So we always have an interesting conversation. About、uh, different sustainability focused topics, events, books, and ideas that have been on our radar. It's great to do this again. We just squeaked in to make it for the May, the May talk this time. <laughs> Last day of May. How did we get there already? Yeah, but it's it's rainy season now. It's getting a little bit cooler.、Mm. Um, but yeah, the rain the rain is certainly a change. Has it been really rainy there?、Um, the last few days on and off, yes. And it looks like the whole week ahead is rain. So、uh, the garden's enjoying it. <laughs> the rest、yeah. of us not so much. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, everybody、mm. needs water. We need lots of water,、yeah. so it's a good thing.、Uh, recently, I、uh, we had the big G seven here. That was one of the big topics in Hiroshima. Um, and it was nice to see that there was a local brand、uh, of tea maker、uh, called Tea Factory Gen, and I've known about him. I visited his、uh, tea plantation. He took over an abandoned tea field in Seda, and、uh, he has a tiny little abandoned house, which he made into the tiniest tea shop you've ever seen. In Onomichi, and I'm writing an article for All About Japan right now about the sustainability of Onomichi and how exciting it is to go there. And so I got to visit his shop, and then he told me about the crowdfunding. And it's just it's exciting because he's taking down the walls, trying to keep、mm. as much of the old things as possible from this old house. And he's actually taking out the old plaster of the walls, mixing it with the wasted tea leaves after you make tea, and putting it back into the walls. So、oh, there's、yeah. so many beautiful elements of tea all around the whole、uh, remodeled cafe. It's got a beautiful view over、mm-hmm. the harbor and more space than the the place he is at now. But it was so exciting to see that his tea was chosen to be served at the G7. Brilliant. So that was so yeah, nice yeah. to see that we have this huge international local event, a、uh, well international event, and a very sustainable local business was featured as、Brilliant. its、mm-hmm. high quality sustainable brand, and that was just that was so encouraging to see. It's wonderful. Yeah. Now you had a launch event for your sub brand. Tell us about that. Yes, finally. So this has been、uh, we we did a sort of soft launch originally、uh, six months ago now,、um, but we finally had the official launch event、um, last week at the the Conrad in in Tokyo,、um, who we worked with at the beginning of the year on their sustainability strategy.、Um, 
rollout. So we, they were our, our partners for this. Um, and it was brilliant. We had sort of 50 leaders from all kinds of organizations, from big corporates to um, sort of SMEs to academia, um, MPOs, all come together. And we were looking particularly at um, who are your stakeholders? So we had group discussion. You can see the table discussions going on there, um, all, all sort of mixed groups and asking people to identify who are your sustainability stakeholders. Um, and it was really interesting to see the the output of that. Um, and I've got an article. Um, well, we're, we're just writing an article at the moment, just finalizing, which we'll be sharing um, on LinkedIn and so on um, in a few days. But it was really we, we sort of created a, a mind map um, of all the different stakeholders um, that people were talking about. And uh, it was just incredible to see how complex that mind map is and how big it is, right? So once you start thinking, okay, first of all, is inside your organization. And yes, you might have your sustainability team or the, you know, whoever's responsible for that. But then who are all the different stakeholder groups inside your organization who you really need to be getting on board um, in order for your strategy to, to um, you know, actually be successful. But then there's all the, the stakeholders beyond that. There's, you know, the employees, families who are, you know, part of this conversation as well. They're thinking about their, their kids' futures or, you know, the impact they're making at home as well with their daily lives or their commute coming in if they're back to in-person now in the office. And then you've got all the, the partners, the suppliers, the consumers, the customers. You know, it, it was huge and it was really um enlightening to to see that mapped out um and then we had a panel discussion with um nico mira who's uh, head of uh, sustainability for volvo car japan um and mari kogiso who is the ceo co-ceo of um sdg impact japan um which works at uh, investing in sustainable um uh, sort of startups and so on and so it was really great to hear their stories about how they were engaging with different stakeholder groups and what you know where they were finding the pushback and um where they were also finding the, the connections and, and how were they connecting with different stakeholder groups to really get people um sort of on board with what they wanted to do so it was a really great discussion I wish I could have been there just a little yes. bit too far to pop over. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit far. A little bit far. <laughs> but I, I did get down to Fukuoka. I actually, uh, Hiroshima was closed up during right. the G7. Mm -hmm. And I, I went down to Fukuoka to join uh, my friend's group who does beach cleanups down there. Uh, Fukuoka for sustainability. They're doing such great work. And I've been doing beach cleanups in Hiroshima for ages. So it was great to have that opportunity to go down and join their big group and uh, talk to them and also unfortunately to see that the Hiroshima oyster plastics are there as well. Um, so I'm showing on my screen this is from my campaign page that I started uh, last month. I really wanted to launch this during the G7 and mm -hmm. kind of raise awareness of a big issue for environmental problems that we're having with ocean uh, plastics from the oyster industry in Hiroshima. So the petition is going really well. And thanks for sharing it, Tova. I noticed that you did. <laughs> and well. uh, we've got almost 3,000 signatures right now. Uh, all the information is in English and Japanese. Mm -hmm. And through this, doing this campaign, 
uh, it led me to do that cleanup with the Fukuoka group. Um, I went to Ikea, which was the first time I've been to Ikea in Japan. And I was just blown away by how much this company is showing sustainability in action. And yeah. uh, so I ended up eating there every day. I was there <laughs> for three days because they are now having a plant-based fiesta festival and they have so many plant-based options on the menu and I wanted to try them all because <laughs> it's so difficult to find plant-based options in Japan. Mm -hmm. And so my friend was like, what, you're eating at Ikea again? And I was like, yes, I want to <laughs> try it out. But if you, we have Costco here, right? And if you compare yeah. it to like food courts for big chains like Costco, mm -hmm. Costco is so much single-use plastic and so much single-use yeah. waste. It's kind of like eating in a fast food place. Ikea is like a nice cafe. Mm -hmm. Everything's reusable, refillable, plant-based yeah. options. I was just so impressed by the food court. And then you go into the toilets and you're like, oh, the water? Maybe someone didn't flush. And then you read, it's all rainwater. They're yeah. using rainwater in the toilets. And they're, they have this idea to have uh, carbon neutral, sustainable energy by 2030, reusing mm -hmm. all their old products. I was like, what the heck? How can a company like this be in Japan and yeah. not be showing other big businesses in Japan? This is how you do it. Mm -hmm. This is how you reduce your costs. You raise your sustainability. So I was just, my socks were blown off. Every, <laughs> every, every part that I saw of Ikea was just so impressed. Now, yeah. Tova, you've worked with Ikea in Japan before, right? Yeah, well, we, um, we had a, a, an event on DEI, sort of women in management, actually, uh, last November. Um, and uh, Yuriko Iwasaki, who was at the time um, the, the country head of communications for Ikea, um, Japan was one of our speakers and she was so eloquent um, and, and she was the only person on the panel whose organization had actually achieved gender parity in, um, you know, in, in their management right up through the levels. And so we were asking her, you know, well, how, how has IKEA done this? And she said, it's really all about living the values, really living the values. And that's for every aspect of sustainability, whether it's, you know, the, the use of, uh, you know, plastics or um, the energy they're using or, um, you know, the equality in the workplace as well. She said that the values, you know, that for IKEA, they're not just something that which is on the website or, you know, sort of part of the onboarding and then nobody really thinks about them after that. She said those are lived every day and they're part of conversations every day. They're part of, um, you know, evaluation conversations. They're part of, um, you know, sort of management meetings and so on. So they're really lived. And I think because of that, everybody properly understands them um, and is aligned with them. And then they understand how that needs to to be put into action, right? They're, they're not just some sort of abstract concept that, that people don't really know what to do with. Um, they're very clear about this is, you know, a value that we have and here's how it, you know, um, actually happens in the workplace. Here's how it's part of the designs that we make. Here's how it's part of, um, you know, the, the, the processes and, um, you know, what we're, we're, how we're 
interacting with our suppliers, how we're interacting with our customers and so on. So it's yeah. it's really and very using, And using those third-party certifications like FSC yes. for sustainable wood yeah. uh, in the food court, it wasn't only plant-based foods that they had. Yeah. They also had seafood, but of course it was certified sustainable seafood. Mm-hmm. You don't see that in Japan, not yet, right? Not so much. And, not so much. you know, WWF mm-hmm. certification. And then, like you said, empowering women, I saw women in leadership positions all over Mm -hmm. at work in management and it was just you don't see this enough in japan Mm. so it it really was it was very impressive i was glad i had the chance to go (laughs) i'm gonna go back i was even thinking wow this is another reason to move to fukuoka seriously like we don't have any big companies like this (laughs) in hiroshima where i can just go and feel like i'm shopping somewhere that's very sustainably led you know? Yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, it, it's interesting is at the end of the day, you can be, be skeptical and say, well, you know, their, their whole business is still selling things and they want people to buy more. Yeah. But, um, you know, but they are trying really hard to, to think in a more circular way and design things so that they can be, you know, the materials can be properly recycled and reused. And they're creating the infrastructure for that as well. So, you know, they will take back your old furniture and things like this so that it doesn't yeah. just go into landfill. That, um, and and yeah. the, they have a second hand, like seconds part in yes. their store. So yeah. things that didn't sell or people mm-hmm. return them for whatever reason, you can buy yeah. at a discount. Uh, they have a repair station you can fix. Uh, yeah. You can return things you're not happy with. I mean, these mm-hmm. these are things that are not common in <laughs> Japanese stores that really, you know, like you see in Patagonia, for example, mm. uh, repair space. Um, these are concepts that definitely could be applied more widely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's something that used to be part of every community, right? And it used to be part of, of, you know, of course, Japanese sort of business and culture as well. Um, but I think, you know, like so many places and like we see in, you know, a lot of, well, pretty much anywhere in the world as well, it's not just here. Um, we, we've lost that, this whole drive for convenience and wanting new things. We, we've kind of, it, it's easier just to throw it away and get a new one. Um and not think about where it goes afterwards or, you know, the impact of that. So it's great to see companies like IKEA, like Patagonia, sort of set, you know, re- revitalizing that mindset of saying, well, we don't have to throw it away. It can be repaired. It can be reused. And, um, then, and then back yeah. to the campaign that I'm trying to raise awareness. Mm. But also, we're, we're not saying that the oyster industry is bad. We know it employs a lot of people. Yep. We know oysters is a great protein that mm-hmm. actually oysters really help clean the water. There's so many wonderful things about the oyster industry. We're just mm-hmm. asking for them to make targets. Yeah. Right. Like when you walk into Ikea, you walk into Patagonia, you see their targets very clearly. They mm-hmm. say by 2030, we want to be, you know, carbon neutral yeah. by by 2025. We want to have organic cotton only. Those kinds of things are important yeah. to yeah. say clearly to the customer and the user. This is how you can trust us that yeah. we are working towards something. Right. Yes. And, and I think sort of. Adding on to that, I think, yes, it's really important to share those targets, but also to share how you are doing that and to show concrete examples. Because 
any company at the moment, you look at the website, the targets that they're talking about them. And this is something we discussed at the Intelleco launch as well, that sort of words to gap action and how that impacts trust with people in your own organization, but also your consumers, your clients, um, because it's all very well to, to say, yes, we want to be carbon neutral. We, you know, gender equality is important, da, da, da. But if that's not what you're seeing and, and there's no, you know, uh, very solid roadmap under that with, this is how we are going to achieve that. And here are the milestones along the way. And here's how we're doing so far, showing that you're properly tracking that, you're measuring it, you're um, making progress towards those goals. If you don't have that, then you know very quickly you'll start to lose the trust. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we can take some positive examples from the Japanese government, to be yep. honest, because mm-hmm. they have very clear 2030, 2050 goals. And if you checked their official websites and checked by third parties, you see how they're actually a little bit ahead of schedule. Yeah. You know, and those are important things. You have to have the target. You have to show how you're doing it and your progress along the way. These are all parts of sustainable business, right? Very much so. Very much. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So doing this campaign, going to Fukuoka, unfortunately, on the beaches in Fukuoka, we saw so much fishing industry plastics, mm-hmm. uh, which is just clogging the beaches. Um, and unfortunately, we did find some Hiroshima oyster plastics, probably Hiroshima, because Hiroshima is the biggest oyster producer in all of Japan. Um, so it's, it's you know, just doing the cleanup. Of course, we can't clean up everything. It's impossible. Yeah. But it really raises awareness about the issues and what's what's actually on the beaches. What is actually mm. happening? Where does this come from? Like yeah. just that's a part of the research strategy, right? Mm-hmm. And when we went out to the beach, there were hundreds of other volunteers. A big Japanese nonprofit was there at the same beach that morning. And so it was really great to be a part of such a big effort. Mm -hmm. And of course, all those families that joined, uh, they have a better awareness of of the overall problem and, Mm -hmm. and think about, oh, what could we do at home in our lives? And that that's so valuable, right? Yeah, yeah, very much. I mean, that that awareness building is a, a massive part of it. I mean, yes, that you know, the beach cleans. Yes, you're taking the actual plastic off, so you're you're physically improving the environment. The environment, but I think the awareness is the huge sort of win there, right? So making people stop and think. Well, you know, they're picking up a piece of plastic. You know, I I maybe I used this kind of thing you know this item um and what happened to it when i threw it away um you know was it actually recycled or where did it go and did i need to buy it so you know sort of creating the opportunity for that awareness and then for people to go back into their own um sort of networks and have the conversations as well sort of builds a positive momentum there so really important and uh doing that cleanup and doing the oyster petition for hiroshima it led me to uh read articles about plastic free oyster growing around the world Hmm. and i came across this long cove sea farm and this is run by abigail barrows and she is a microplastic scientist who uh, has studied microplastic problems around the world. And then she had the chance to take over an oyster farm in Maine, in the US, and she's showing how you can do it more sustainably. You can do it with solar power to help uh, clean the oysters. You can do it with reusable baskets. 
So it's it's just great to have the chance to connect then with someone doing it, like someone yeah. trying to do it more sustainably. And when I reached out to her, she said she's coming to Hiroshima this oh, year. So okay. I, I don't know if they're studying the oyster plastics in Hiroshima, but I'm going to be able to meet up with her and hopefully interview her for my show. So that's very exciting. Brilliant. Oh, that's great to hear. I look forward to, to listening to that. Yeah. Now, you were talking a little bit about bioplastics. Yeah. So bioplastics, I mean, talking of plastics, um, you know, they're not all bad and we do need a lot of plastics, right? They're, they're really useful materials, particularly in, um, you know, certain industries plastics are really important maybe in food in um you know packaging of, of food to keep it safe and clean and in the medical um industry as well so um bioplastics are sort of obviously one option that we uh, are looking at globally and um there needs to be more work done so this was an interesting article I came across um about uh, what you know some research going on in japan um, and a team there looking at um, cellulose, uh, so sort of using the the, the structural part from um, plants to create bioplastics, um, and to to use them in cars. So there's an artic- uh, sort of example given there, where um, a car at a Tokyo Motor Show that the plastics in the interior. And if you think about the average car and how much plastic is used inside that, right, there's a lot. Um, and the, the plastics inside were made with um, this bioplastic uh, derived from cellulose nanofibers, which was, you know, really interesting. It, it's incredibly strong and very, very light. So it's actually a benefit in that you know, it makes the car lighter, which requires less power to move it. So you've got, you know, benefits there as well. Um, and of course, it's it's biodegradable at the end as well. Now, it's bioplastics is not just a, a simple quick fix, um, you know, solution. They're, they're complex. There are a lot of different bioplastics. Um, we're seeing at the moment some products which are mixed bioplastic and petrochemical plastic, which is not helpful because that can't be separated then and broken down at the end. Um, So that's something to be wary of. And also they're not all as easily biodegradable as we'd like to think. They need certain conditions in order to, to degrade and so on. But I think that, you know, the important thing is that there's more and more research going on into this, which, you know, is obviously a positive thing. Um, And as that ramps up um hopefully we'll see more and more um examples and we'll understand better how to work with it how to um degrade it how to you know dispose of it at the end and the great thing is that however long it takes to degrade is not releasing toxins into the earth or the water um so it's something i am excited to to see and to follow um and would love to see more of there yeah and uh, keep testing and keep discussing and keep brainstorming and keep analyzing, right? Yeah. Uh, like some of the bioplastics uh, have been tested in the environment and they don't break down the way they do in the exactly. lab. You know, those kinds of things are really important to yeah. test too, uh, to think about the end stage, like, of course, sourcing from reusables, uh, reusable plastic material instead of going to landfill. That's a great thing. But what happens at the end of life, right? Thinking of everything, circularity. Yeah. um, Always important. But yeah, Mm. these are discussions we need to be having, right? Yes. Yeah. So if anyone has examples, good examples, then, uh, you know, please do share let us know. I know um, uh, one of the convenience stores, I'm not sure whether it's Family Mart or 
7-Eleven, um, is using bioplastics now to wrap their onigiri, um, the, the rice balls, um, and is using also plant-based ink to print onto the, the labels there. So um, we, we are starting to see some real examples of these out in the sort of everyday um, world. So that, that's great. We want to see more of that. But like you say, there, there also needs to be more understanding of how do these things need to be handled then at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you just had an event uh, for diversity and inclusion. You want to talk about this? Yeah. So this um, I mentioned earlier, we had an event last November. So this was the follow up to that. Um, so looking at uh, driving DI and management, as it said, and we focused really this time on looking at success stories. And uh, we had, as you can see, there four brilliant speakers um, from Nova Nordisk, from Olympus, uh, from Maersk. Uh, Carrie Park was our moderator last time and again this time. And also Shigefumi Yamaura from um H&M as well, talking about what he's seen as a man uh, around him in, in an organization that's doing very well on gender equality. Um, so it was wonderful to hear those stories from them. And what we worked on in that was identifying the key success factors, um, you know, what enabled them to, to get to where they were, um, what was it sort of we were looking inside um, what was going on you know through their minds as they were doing this what enabled them to have the confidence to step into these roles or to put their hand up for them um, and then what was happening also around them in the organizational culture that enabled or in their, their you know their lives outside um, you know whether that was family or community that was enabling them as well and then we went to a group discussion we had about 80 people in the end from academia from all kinds of businesses um a mix of male and female mix of japanese non-japanese really great energy and we were looking at okay so having identified these key success factors what are the actions then we can take to you know ensure that we we actually um you know leverage these and build on them and enable them to happen. So uh, that was a really good discussion. And again, we've got the report coming out um, hopefully next week. <laughs> We're just working on that now, um, which we'll share broadly because we want people to be able to take away these uh, learnings and use them in their own organizations. And the idea is also we're going to come back together in six months and look at, you know, from the, the learnings and the conversations we had there, what have the people who attended been doing, what has worked, what has not, why isn't, why hasn't it worked, for example, what needs to be changed. So we continue this, this dialogue and this learning process together. So it was really um very encouraging to see so many brilliant examples of, of women leaders um, in Japan, like you were saying earlier, um, working in Japanese companies as well, not just the the, the gaishike, the foreign companies. So um, wonderful to see the role models there because that was a real one of the key success uh, factors that we talked about, sort of actually seeing people who've made it and they're not just sort of on the news and and you know in an article it's not the same people all the time it's like these are the real women who um have managed to to overcome whatever obstacles there are great examples and they're now sharing their stories and inspiring others that's awesome and that's so wonderful to hear like uh, i've got this article coming up about onomichi so mm. many of the women doing amazing entrepreneur activities there uh, they were originally from Onomichi. They studied abroad. They went to other big cities and they came back. Yeah. And to me, that's like, yes, that is the sign of success mm -hmm. for this area, being able to do that, to bring back talent yeah. to this small area. I think that's really encouraging. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think one of the recent talks that I had on my show with this amazing craftsperson, Douglas Brooks, now he's been studying most of his career about making wooden Japanese boats. He's been an apprentice for many uh, traditional craftspeople, and sometimes the only apprentice that they have before they die or they、oh. retire. Mm-hmm. So he's documenting, writing books, doing videos, and then doing workshops、uh, in Japan and in America to pass on these、uh, traditional ways, which have often been secret、mm-hmm. for so long in Japan. But that's not sustainable. We need、no. to keep it going. <laughs> but、um, yeah, it just it was really wonderful talking with him. So many great insights about preservation of culture and tradition,、yeah. and of course. Uh, building with wood and carpentry, which is so much、yeah. connection to sustainability, right? Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful to hear that that's、yeah. being kept. Now, you've got a, a event coming up for REI. Do you want to mention? Yes. So,、um, as you say, it's the last day of May today. June starts tomorrow, and、uh, the twentieth of June is、uh, World Refugee Day. And so,、um, Refugee Empowerment International (REI) has got a couple of events coming up around that. So you can see the the being a refugee on the twenty fourth. Um, at Ali Shan Park Cafe in Yoyogi, Central Tokyo. So, sort of a whole experience there of, of you know, understanding a little bit more about you know what are refugees going through,、um, how do they、uh, find the resilience to get through that, and and、um, sort of sharing stories and、uh, getting a deeper understanding there. And then on the twenty ninth in the evening, we've got the、uh, the Great Wine Bluff, which is a, a wonderful event、um, it, where people are competing in teams、um, and try to guess, you know, what they know about the wine and so on. It's a really really good fun event. So you know, if people are, are free on that evening and you happen to be in Tokyo,、um, please go and sign up.、Um, if you don't have a team, you can sign up as an individual and and we'll put you in a, a team on the night.、Um, but all of the the Proceeds from these events will go to、um, supporting the the projects that REI supports around the world,、um, which make a, a real impact on people who really need it and want to rebuild their lives. This is not about sort of giving a hand out; it's very much a hand up、um, and enabling people to to take back their independence and dignity and, and rebuild. That's awesome. Yeah, very important. I wish I could go. I wish I was a little bit closer. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds awesome. awesome. I I did a live、uh, tour. I often do live tours around Hiroshima to an online audience, and I did a tour yesterday at Hiroshima Moka, so Museum of Contemporary Art. And I was so impressed to see so many examples of sustainability and circularity.、Uh, so, for example, here we have reused a bombed stone. From the center of town, which they incorporated into their design, and、uh, they did a beautiful renovation, which they just reopened again、uh, last month. They have this art installation here where they're showing how fresh fruit degrades and starts growing after composting naturally, and、mm-hmm. and they're only giving it three months. I wish they gave this project a year、yes. because it's wonderful, but it takes a long time to see、mm. how Mother Nature works, right? Yep. Um, yeah. But I love that idea. There was another example.、Uh, this was a Hiroshima A bomb survivor. This artist and he made this art piece full of garbage from a landfill, and、mm. he calls it okonomiyaki, which is the Hiroshima famous dish, which means as you like. And so he's asking the question: 
is this as we like? Is oh, this the wow. legacy that we want for the future from Hiroshima? So it was really powerful to see that. that. There's so really many wonderful question. examples of, of how art can really illuminate yeah. uh, important ideas for society and environment mm -hmm. and culture, right? Very much so. And that, that's such a deep question. And, and art is such a, a great way to start those conversations, right, and open up. Yeah, absolutely. So that's our time. Did you have anything else that you wanted to mention? Did we cover I anything? Save it to next time. Yeah, All right, there's wonderful. always more. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tova. Thanks, everyone, for Thank joining. Thank you. And see you again in June. Brilliant. Looking forward to it. Some of us seem to be stuck under a black cloud. Some of us wonder if it's ever gonna rain